Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. All right, welcome Seekers to the podcast, God Beyond the Bible, the podcast made by Seekers and for Seekers. Today's podcast is number 43. As we record this episode uh, around and about October 15th, what is the exact date today? The 16th. 16th. Okay, around and about October 15th <laughs> of this year, 2019, we are finally experiencing some autumn weather here in Arkansas. Uh, we just survived one of the hottest Septembers on record, by the way. And with the advent of this first real cold front, we liter- literally went straight from AC to heat in one 24-hour period. We did. <laughs> well, enough on the weather report. How about shout-outs? Yeah, our shout-outs this week are to Supreme Vinyl and Misty Yaki. Okay. All right, thanks, guys. All right, in the last episode, considering that you're listening to them in the order that we record and release them, was one that we really had a lot of fun doing. It was on Traditions. And we were amused to discover just how much of our life is steeped in acts of tradition. And we often never even know why we do those things. And for some of them that we talked about last week, I know I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't either. We hope you found it as interesting as we did. And maybe it will inspire us to observe other things that we routinely do in our everyday life and question why. Why do we do it that way? So this episode is going to be dedicated to one of those annual traditions and customs we call Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and we hope to do future episodes dedicated to Thanksgiving and Christmas as well as these holidays approach. So in segment one, this first segment, let us point out that there is no single origin of the observ- observance of Halloween. One source will claim it originated here or there, but we have found that, as in the case of many of our American customs and, and traditions, our observance or celebration of Halloween is a melting pot or a mixture of a lot of different cultural and religious customs, some that can be traced back even thousands of years. Okay, so let's begin with the name of this observance. It is often referred to as a holiday, yet the title holiday implies that, you know, you might get a day off of work, and as of yet, we haven't seen Halloween elevated to that level. Well, yet. 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 (laughs) And I bet if it does... What do you want to bet it'll somehow be celebrated on a Monday? Yeah, it'll be a certain Monday of the year. I bet it will get that that extra holiday. And, of course, holiday comes from holy day. Right. right. Which all holidays don't symbolize that. But anyway. Which, enough of that before we... (laughs) Okay, hush. Tracy said hush. Let's begin with the name Halloween. 
As far as we can tell, most agree that it's of Irish or Scottish origin, and it's a contracted word from something close to Hallowed Evening, which the dialect would have pronounced Hallow Even. <laughs> and much like our lazy dialect here in the South, it's thought that the lack of emphasis on the V and even would make it sound more like Howl Ian. Yeah. When spoken, and thus we get yeah. Halloween. And it would be a greedy Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. Halloween. You can hear that hmm. in the Scottish and my Irish yeah, Scottish. That's yeah. what I was trying to do there. Many believe that the oldest observance of this tradition can be traced back to the pagan, ooh, pagan tradition of the Celtic religion. Uh, we know that when the word pagan is used, that it causes Christians to cringe a little because we consider anything that we don't we don't do or observe to be pagan. Mm-hmm. Yet, we might be really surprised to find just how much of our most celebrated Christian holidays have many pagan roots and traditions mingled in them. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to clarify here too, because this is something that I didn't really understand for a lot of years, is that pagan does not automatically mean witchcraft or anything of that sort because that's how as a fundamentalist christian that's how my mind would work if it's not if it's pagan then it's some kind of a ritualistic well what do we mean by pagan then anything that's not us (laughs) (laughs) anything we don't agree with anything it's a pagan is that like heresy it is it's a little bit like heresy in a lot of groups so what is, does anyone know what pagan actually means? Does it just mean secular or? I don't know. That might yes, be a good. it does. Okay. All right. Now she's just pulling that out. Yeah, I, I don't know. Pay, I can tell the look in her eye. The she, Simpsons she told me she so. Didn't, oh, you learned that from the Simpsons? Okay. Okay. Back to the Celtics. Yeah. And again, the information you may find may or may not agree with what our research has unearthed, but it seems that the Celtics believe that for whatever reason, that all those who die in any particular year become wandering spirits until the one day of the year that the veil between this world and the hereafter was the thinnest, and then those wandering spirits could make the transition or journey into eternity. That ancient date where the separating veil thinned and wandering souls could enter eternity coincides with our modern calendar date of October 31st. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, take into consideration, we're giving you the abbreviated version of the origin of this October 31st celebration or observance that we call Halloween. If you wish to research it for yourself, be prepared to spend hours or even days sorting through all the conflicting (laughs) origin theories. We've chosen this version because it's the most agreed upon by historians and cultural researchers, and it makes more sense than some of the others. And I'm telling you guys, there are so many. <laughs> yes, and, 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 and we can't be certain about any of it, but it all, these things we're giving you kind of all pretty well agree. Most of them go back to the Celtic. Yes, that right. It, that it right. had an origin, and the Scottish and, and Irish origin. So here we have, let's get back to where we were. So here we have a group of people somewhere at some point who believe that the souls of all the folks who have died during the year beginning November 1st through October 31st are bodiless spirits or souls trapped in the human realm waiting for the hallowed evening to arrive so they can depart the earthly realm in favor of the spiritual realm. Right. And it was also believed that before (laughs) these bodiless souls could make their departure that hallowed night, (laughs) that they would revisit the village and even the home they lived in and occupied when they were alive. So people would prepare special delicacies to entreat and appease the wandering spirits 
so that they would depart without doing any mischief to the people of the village or the home they revisited before they departed. Thus, we have the basis of our trick-or-treat, which probably would be more appropriate to have been treat or trick, (laughs) (laughs) since it was believed that any sickness or any negative events that occurred any time during the year was a direct result of one's failure to satisfy the expectations of a wandering soul or spirit. And this really sounds weird to us, but just think about it. Some of the things we believe are not, Sure. Are just as far-fetched sometimes based on as far-fetched things as these are. And it's believed that the reason for the illness or financial distresses, the failure of crops or any other event that seemed to negatively affect any particular person was a result of the wandering wandering soul being so dissatisfied (laughs) with the appeasement offering that they refused to pass through the thin veil and remained in the human realm to bring revenge on the person or people who didn't make enough effort in giving the soul a good send-off. So Grandpa just never leaves. Grandpa, no. just, Grandpa just stays around because we didn't, the cookies weren't good. We didn't have enough cookies or whatever it was that we were doing. So Grandpa's going to hang on for another year and kill the crops. And chickens aren't going to lay. <laughs> just, I mean, this seriously, this is what, yes, this, this, is, is the, yeah. this is the way they thought. Well, on that note, we're going to pause. We're going to regroup and return with part two of episode 43 of God Beyond the Bible. All right. Welcome back to segment two of episode 43 of God Beyond the Bible. In our first part of this episode on the tradition, we talked about the tradition. Sorry, let me just start. In our first part of this episode on the tradition we call Halloween, we looked at the most popular theory of origin of the name Halloween, which was derived from hallowed evening. Halloween. And we also discovered that it was believed that on October 31st, the barrier or veil between this world and the spirit world was the thinnest, allowing souls trapped on this side to cross over to the other side. And that these souls were believed to revisit the places they occupied while still alive as human beings and were expecting to be treated or appeased before leaving for their spiritual journey. Can't you hear it? Knock, knock, knock. Hey, this hey, I'm George. I used to live here in this house. I died here in this house. I just want to see how you guys are keeping it before I depart here. For yeah. <laughs> Do you have any cookies? Yeah. By the way, yeah. How's the cookie situation around well, here? Hey, if this is true, y'all better leave me chocolate. Yeah. Don't leave right, me right. any of the yeah, cheap stuff. <laughs> well, and we also found that the custom of trick or treat may be connected to the ancient belief that if the treat or appeasement offering did not meet the standard, the offended soul would remain on earth another year, causing havoc on the offending party or parties, thus trick-or-treat and leave tabby chocolate. That's right. Yeah, and you don't give me any of those marshmallow bunny things. Ew. Those marshmallow. Used to, I can remember Halloween, you get those chocolate covered, and you think it's the chocolate, and it's marshmallow covered. Oh, no. Chocolate covered marshmallow bunnies. Okay. No is it me? It is Three. you. In this segment, we'd like to look at, uh, many of the customs and traditions, well, some of anyway, right. we still employ today and how they got their start in the custom of giving a proper send-off to the souls of the dearly departed. Because that's what Halloween, Hallow- mm-hmm. All Hallows Eve, that's what it was about, William. But I'm jumping ahead. Okay, so let's talk about dressing up in costumes. Right. It is believed that this, too, was part of the tradition of October 31st being a period when the barrier between the physical and spiritual realm was the thinnest. Thus, a lot of spirits or souls were really 
active on this night, especially as they revisited the places they occupied, expecting to be given a proper send-off on their journey into the other realm. (laughs) And it seems that the living believed that they could disguise themselves. (laughs) Fool the spirits. And if the departed dead had a grudge to settle with them, they wouldn't be able to recognize (laughs) their intended target of revenge. And it's believed that the people who feared they had wronged or offended the departed (laughs) would not remain in their home where the wandering souls would expect to find them, but would disguise themselves and go out and wander the streets and even visit other homes in the village. And all I could think about is what they're not going to recognize you for the next year because you were wearing a mask that night. <laughs> well, yeah, that's when they're the most active, right, I guess. Right, right. Okay, so when the disguised villagers would arrive at the doors of the homes of the other villagers, the occupants of the home would think that they were encountering a wandering soul or a spirit seeking appeasement, and they'd make an appeasement offering to the disguised villager. Thus, the tradition of disguising oneself and getting treats from neighbors was born, so we're told. So everybody would just go around to everyone else's house, and nobody knew who was who. It might be a spirit. This is true. It'll take a chance. I'm not sure. I didn't recognize them. Give them candy. (laughs) Another interesting part of the whole Halloween theme is the origin of the jack-o'-lantern. It has been recorded that as the townspeople would disguise themselves and go out and wander the streets in order to go unrecognized by any departed spirits or souls, a source of light was needed, but the light needed not be bright enough to reveal their true identity. So the disguised villagers would hollow out a turnip and place a little oil, fat, or wax in it with a wick and would carry it around with them for illumination. And sometimes I didn't add in there. Sometimes it was a piece of coal, just a live coal. That's what it's told. Put a live coal in the turnip and a hollowed out turnip. I had to look this up myself because I really felt like we were going down that line I went through as a kid, and I did not believe he was telling me the truth on that. <laughs> you didn't think I was really researched this, that I was telling you how you this You know, really I was with you until we got to the turnip, and then I went, that just sounds like Dad. <laughs> okay. So, there's an interesting legend or tale that accompanies the tradition, but it's not for certain if the tradition is a result of the legend or vice versa. But either way, the legend goes as follows. On route home, after a night's drinking, Jack encounters the devil and tricks him into climbing a tree. (laughs) A quick-thinking Jack etches the sign of the cross into the bark, thus trapping the devil. Jack strikes a bargain that the devil can never claim his soul. After a life of sin, drinking, and riotous living, Jack is refused entry to heaven when he dies. Keeping his promise, the devil refuses to let Jack into hell and throws a live coal straight from the fires of hell at him. It was a cold night, so Jack places the coal in a hollowed out turnip to keep it from going out. And since that time, Jack and his lantern have been roaming looking for a place to rest. And that's your legend of the jack-o'-lantern. I honestly had never heard that That's before. how the jack-o'-lantern huh. came in. What, you know, I keep thinking of, I've got to tell you this little funny story. <laughs> Jack's out drinking and all of this. I've got to tell you a story I heard Minnie Pearl tell one time. <laughs> it's a story that said Minnie Pearl had a this woman in her area that her husband was always out drinking. She thought, well, I'm going to just scare him. It was Halloween night, and I'm going to really scare him, and, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make him, I'm going to stop his drinking and wandering away. So he comes staggering up the the road, you know, one night, and she hides behind the hedge, and his wife does, and 
hides behind the hedge and he comes stumbling, stumbling up through there. And she jumps out and says, boo, I'm the devil. And the drunk says, come on up to the house. I'm married to your sister. <laughs> okay, is it my turn? It is. Okay. The hollowed turnip still holds tradition in parts of Scotland and Ireland. They actually still carve turnips. But the native pumpkin was substituted by Americans because of its accessibility, its size, and the ease of hauling it out. And with that little tidbit, we'll conclude part two and be back in a couple of seconds with part three of episode 43 of God Beyond the Bible. The topic is Halloween. Welcome back, fellow seekers. As you know, today's podcast topic is an attempt to explore the roots of one of our American traditions that we call Halloween. And I've got a question for everyone. Is Halloween pretty much an American tradition or is it recognized and observed worldwide? I really don't know. Did you guys look? There is some version of Halloween in almost every in culture. almost every culture. Mm-hmm. Sort of like everything. But a lot of cultures, a lot of countries, it is more of a religious, spiritual day of the dead. Day of the of dead. Thing. Yeah, like in the Mexico. All Hallows, All Hallows Eve. Yes. Because the the Catholic. We're going to talk about that because the Catholic Catholic influence. Probably because I yes. know Mexico, November first and second is actually called, and I am not good at Spanish, but it's like Dia de los Muertos, uh-huh. which is Day of the Dead. And that's what they remember there. But it still goes back to the Celtic thing. It does. I mean, it really does because a lot of the places that maybe they don't dress up and do trick or treating and that they right. still have a remembrance of their dead. Y'all go this ahead time. and look up the in um, the country of India and their Day of the Dead stuff. That's really really. I'll have to research it's, that. It's one. strange. Okay. Um, We've established at least one version of the origin of the customs and traditions surrounding Halloween, such as the giving of treats, the disguises and costumes, and the jack-o'-lantern. Now, this may seem a lot like a lot of useless information. It probably is. And admittedly, it is. But it is interesting and kind of fun to learn about this tradition, especially using last week's episode as a segue. Mm -hmm. And though it may seem like this was all planned out in time so that we could release this episode in time for Halloween, if you're thinking that, you're giving us way too much credit. Way (laughs) too much. (laughs) We're not that organized or not that well ordered. Only after recording last week's episode did we say, hey, next episode would be a good time to demonstrate the role of tradition in our lives and do an episode on Halloween. And someone else said, yeah, we could do one on Thanksgiving and Christmas too. Duh. Yeah, and we'll see if we remember that when Thanksgiving yeah. and Christmas rolls around. Or get it out in time. Right? Yeah. Okay, so now that you have some idea just how deep the water runs around here, yeah. and with that said, let's continue on with our thoughts and research on Halloween. In this last segment, we would like to explore the adoption of this tradition into the religious community, especially the Christian community, and its introduction into American culture, and yes, last but not least, the role that marketing and merchandising has played in the observance of this tradition. Yeah, like it does in all traditions. Absolutely. (laughs) And as far as Halloween finding a place in the church and the Christian religion, it's said to have been adopted and adapted by the Catholic Church. The idea of wandering souls or disembodied spirits or the dead awaiting their transition into the next life is pretty akin to the Catholic Church's doctrine of purgatory, which, if we understand it right, is the idea that a dead person's soul 
goes into an intermediate waiting place instead of transitioning directly into heaven or hell, whichever the case <laughs> may be. Our limited understanding of this concept is that the people still alive, mainly the church itself, has influence on the destination of the departed soul. Certain prayers and offerings can be made to allow the soul of a departed loved one to make the transition from purgatory into heaven. Well, this made the Celtic Halloween tradition especially adaptable to this concept. Or perhaps the whole purgatory concept was adopted from the Celtic take on departed. I mean, I don't know. So, just a little note. The Jewish faith embraces Hades, which although often is mistranslated hell in our English Bible, was actually the waiting place of the souls of the mm -hmm. dead who were awaiting God's final pronouncement of destination via judgment, right? Mm -hmm. Whichever the case, the Catholic <laughs> Church adapted or adopted the concept of October 31st being what they call All Hallows' Eve, which was the day preceding the celebration of All Saints' Day, marked as November 1st. And if I remember, was it Pope Gregory, I think I read? That seems like that, that, seems right. like that yeah. That instituted that. And as far as the Americanization of the tradition, we've read that the earliest colonists did not recognize the tradition at all. The earliest calendars, which were actually almanacs, did not note October 31st, or November 1st for that matter, as a date to be distinguished from any other day. It's said that it was the influx of immigrants from Scotland and Ireland who reintroduced the observance of this tradition. That slowly made its way into the cultural traditions of the New World, and much later became a day to be recognized and observed on the almanac calendar. This tradition gradually became more Americanized in its customs and traditions, embraced by a wider audience of participation. Oh, sorry about bumping the microphone there. Have you heard that? Uh, and I didn't, I didn't research. I was going to. I didn't research. When did it start showing up on our calendar as Halloween? And actually, you know, I really didn't look it up, but I know that good trivia question, right? Yeah, we'll I'm, give somebody a prize that sends that to us. There you go. I know that during Depression era, it really became a big holiday <laughs> during the during depression. the Depression. Mm -hmm. Huh. Okay. Shortly before and during the Depression, it became a really big thing because the kids would use like potato sacks and draw faces on them and oh wow, go to their neighbor's house. And the get, ones they didn't use for underwear. Yes. <laughs> Not that was... A good side note. No, that was flower sacks. Yes. Okay. A good side note is that the occasion was also used as a day to set aside the dominant social order of our early American ancestors. Uh, one must take into account that our European ancestry was deeply influenced by social order. Mm -hmm. that was, And that was common in Europe, especially England. The wealthy and influential families did not associate with the lower class, poor, and less influential families of the day. The poor, lower class were seen as an asset to serve the needs of the rich. This class barrier continued to be observed in early American society, a division that still exists in an underlying form today, and it's still being struggled with in America in many cases today. Right. So Halloween was adopted by some cultural groups as an occasion when both classes, both rich and poor, would disguise themselves and they could intermingle. Thus, we have the tradition of masquerade parties. So for this one night each year, the class barriers were lowered and people could just be people. However, come November 1st, <laughs> all people returned to their place in the social order. <laughs> and I have to say... The rich became rich again and yeah. the poor were back poor again, yeah. 
I have to say here, too, that in the original Cinderella story, did you know it was a fancy dress story? I did not. Yes, it was actually in the original story. It was a masquerade ball. Oh, oh well, the I can see that. But could you see how this could the... you see how this would be well, so yeah. appealing to be able to do that one time a year? So it naturally drew a lot of yes. celebration, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, and last of all, I mean, <laughs> let's talk about the influence of economics and marketing that surrounds the Halloween celebration. <laughs> Surely not. There's a few staggering statistics on the economic impact of Halloween on the American economy. Last year, in October of 2018, Americans spent a record $9.1 billion, with a B, billion. on Halloween-related items. Now, of the $175 million who said they celebrated, I didn't ask them personally, but I'm told, of the 175 million Americans who said they celebrated the Halloween event, that tallied to $87.79 per person. Wow. Well, and having decided this year that our group was going to dress up for Halloween, I can believe it. Yeah, yeah, it adds up. Okay, so Americans spend $2.6 billion on candy. Billion, yes. Billion, all of these are Bs. Uh-huh. Americans spend $2.7 billion on Halloween direction. Oh, t- Directions, decorations. Where are they going? Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> it's been a long day. Halloween decorations, And Americans yeah. spend $3.2 billion on Halloween costumes, making costumes, of course, the most lucrative of all the businesses to be in. Well, it most definitely is. I mean... I can remember even as a teenager, me and my friends would wait for the big Halloween stores to go up Mm -hmm. just so we could run in and see all the different costumes and decorations. So how do you think this compares to what Americans spend on Thanksgiving? You think it's more or less? Now, what would you have thought if you hadn't read or researched? I would have thought that we probably spend more on Halloween than Thanksgiving. I mean, it just... Yeah. I would how would you think Thanksgiving's how would you, mostly how would you, food, how would, yeah. how would, but not how would over th- Christmas. Yeah, how would you think compared no. to Christmas? Not I would as, think not as big Christmas as Christmas would be the biggest. Well, yeah. the truth is, while we spend over $9 billion on Halloween, we spend only about $3 billion, a little less. I think it's like $2.69 uh-huh. billion on Thanksgiving. Now, that's not calculating in the Black Friday Christmas shopping. Sure, but we do eat a lot of food on Thanksgiving. Yeah, but you know that 80-something dollar per person thing? Uh That's usually what now average the dinner for the whole family is spent on the whole whole Thanksgiving for the whole family. $87. Hmm. So, think about that. Halloween, $87 per person. Or $87 for a family of four is typically what a family family has figured out. So how does the $9 billion spent on Halloween compare to Christmas? Would you think we said more or less, which I thought it would be more? But the truth is, Americans spend less than $6 billion on Christmas, including Black Friday now that's sales. From Nove- that's, fr- that's from the day after from Thanksgiving, day after Thanksgiving mm-hmm. through... That really, really surprised me. It did me so, too. So, can you see why this is such a lucrative, why this has become such a, yeah, Halloween's yeah. become such a... Well, and, you know, keep in mind that the figures may vary depending on sure. where you do your research, but I think it's pretty clear that Halloween has become the single biggest economic boost to American economics. I mean, 
Is it any wonder that the origin of the tradition has been all but lost under the shadow of the potential to profit from the celebration? I even Name noticed. A holiday I was going to say, is yeah. there a holiday that doesn't? Y'all, do I that? even noticed Halloween cards at Walmart the other day. Oh, really? You can mail people a card for Halloween. Hmm. Is there some candy in them? Like, here's your like a piece of candy taped to the. Well, well if I you want to send down. me my ca- candy for Halloween, yeah. I'll give you guys my mailing address. There, you there go. I go. <laughs> Are we ready to conclude? I, I believe so. so. There were probably there will probably always be debate among the most conservative and legalistic religious groups over the celebration of this deeply pagan-rooted annual observance. While many groups seek to Christianize, you guys remember any of the groups? Remember there used to yes. be something out Conway, like a big what was it called? Hallelujah. No, Hallelujah that was, House. That was Hank Hill. That, that was, was on King, King of the Hill. Hill. That was a cartoon. I can't remember. But you we know, went there, Christian yeah. groups, you know, try to, and, and actually they do some things that are almost so morbid that it's yes. like, wow, why not just something? But anyway, let's go back. Okay. There's always going to be, many groups seek to Christianize the celebration. The truth is most people just see it as an opportunity to have a little fun and maybe over consume some sweets. Now we should point out, that in many communities, the celebration is evolving from a house-to-house trick-or-treat event. In fact, I want to say right now, Twan and I, we just quit having any candy on hand because everybody goes down to town. Yeah, there's very to that, few people What is it, Boo on the Square or Scare on the Square? What do we got here we in Shirley? We have Boo Fest down in Shirley, and that's where we always go, and we dress up and just have fun and eat hot dogs. And Last year, we didn't have a single trigger-treater out here. Yeah. We left our lights yeah. on and did everything, and we well, just said, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. And living in me. a rural area, though, it makes much more sense. Sure it does. Yeah. Oh, okay. So in many communities, celebration is evolving from a house-to-house trick-or-treat event to towns and communities uh, gathering on the square to offer up the treats in a safer setting for everyone involved. As those in marketing see the extravagant amount of money we're willing to part with for this one-day event, we may only speculate what new traditions will be introduced in the very (laughs) near future. And with a little thought, you might come up with a tradition of your own and cash in on the profits for yourself. There may be a little cut of that $9 billion billion for you. All right. So as always, God's grace, peace, and love be on each of you, our fellow seekers, from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. (laughs) Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.